Well, good afternoon, everybody. It is so lovely to have you all here with us tonight. Thank you for joining us. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the assistant pastors here at King's Hastings, and I've got the real privilege tonight of spending just a few moments helping us to think together about the real meaning of Christmas and the Christmas story, what happened 2,000 years ago. And I want us to think tonight about Christmas as a story about love, about finding love in a surprising place, finding love in the birth of a baby, 2,000 years, in a tiny little place called Bethlehem. Christmas is the time we remember what God has done in showing his love, demonstrating his love for us by sending his one and only son to come and live on earth so that we might have new life. And as I was kind of thinking about this, I was thinking about Christmas as this story of finding love in a surprising place. I thought, I wonder if there are other stories of finding love in surprising places. And so, of course, I went online, I started looking, and I found some BuzzFeed articles which talked about how couples or how pairs of best friends had met. And there were some really sweet stories and some really funny stories, so I thought I'd share a few of those with us tonight. The first one's both kind of sweet and funny. The first one, this lady wrote, On the first day of sixth form college, our form tutor gave us all an icebreaker to help us get to know someone new. She'd printed off photos of different pigs and cut them in half. And we had to pick up a pig half from a bucket and find our other half. It was the weirdest icebreaker game ever, but my other pig half is still my best friend 11 years later. Isn't that lovely? Finding love through severed pigs. Beautiful. Another one, I like this one. On our first day of school, when we were four, I met Hillary, and I decided to bite her finger. Then I went home, and being the naughty kid I was, I told my mum that Hillary had bit my finger. So my mum talked to her mum, and Hillary got grounded for a week. So, obviously, the next day, Hillary bit my finger and told her mother that I had bit her finger, but my punishment was just a talking to. We've been best friends for 23 years now. (laughs) Brilliant. But my favourite one was of a couple, a young lady talking about how she met her boyfriend. She said, I met my longtime boyfriend at an autopsy of a heroin addict. I fainted and he offered me crackers. It's now been five years and we're still happily in love. Sometimes we find love in very surprising places. And at Christmas, we remember the supreme example of finding love in a surprising place. Because we find that the place that the love of the God who made everything, the God who made every one of us, is revealed in the birth of a baby in a tiny little place called Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. And how is it that Christmas is this story of finding love in a surprising place? Well, helpfully, there's a bit of the Bible that kind of explains it to us. There's a bit in the Bible, there's a letter written by a guy called John. And John was actually one of Jesus' best friends when Jesus grew up. And he talks about the love of God. And this is what he says about this love found in a surprising place. He says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. John starts with the assumption that God loves, that he is a loving being. And in fact, just before the words I've just read, he's told us that God is love. Love is kind of core to the very being of God, at the very heart of the character of God. God is a God of love. He's a being who exudes love. And yet often that's not what we think about God. That's not what so many people in the world around us think about the God of the Bible. We know that God claims to be loving. And we know that people who like God say he's loving. 
But actually, we kind of think of God as this angry, judgmental kind of figure, someone who wants to take all the joy out of our lives. We kind of think that actually far from loving us, we're not even really sure that God has any interest in us or likes us at all. But John wants us to start by knowing, no, no, God is love. God is a God of love. At the very heart of his being is love for each and every person he's made. And John tells us not only is God a God of love, but that love has been revealed. It's been demonstrated. It's been displayed in public. It's been this kind of grand reveal. And it's a bit like when the latest Apple product gets revealed. I don't know if you kind of keep up with that kind of stuff, but for months beforehand, there'll be all these rumours of what the product will be and what the functionality will be, what would it be able to be. And then finally, there comes the launch event, the grand reveal when they announce what it is. They announce all these amazing things that we're going to be able to do. All the rumours, all the kind of things, maybe it's like this, get confirmed and get announced. And John's saying that here, the rumours, the claims of God's love are being confirmed, are being revealed, displayed publicly. And so how has that happened? How has God's love been made public, been unveiled, revealed to us? Well, John tells us it happens in that God sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. The unveiling of God's love, the going public on God's love, is seen in the fact that he sends Jesus to be born as a baby. Seeing in the story we remember at Christmas. God sends us a gift, but not just any old gift, the most amazing gift, the most precious, the most wonderful gift imaginable. He sends us his one and only son. God sends Jesus from heaven to earth to be with us and to be here for us. And he doesn't do it in some big, loud, dramatic way. He doesn't send him as some kind of brutal warrior or some kind of angry judge. He sends him as a little baby, born to a young woman in a tiny little place called Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. And John says this baby is born so that we might have a life. We might read that and we kind of think, well, that's a bit odd. Doesn't John get, we're already living, you know, I'm breathing, the blood's pumping around my body. I'm kind of doing all right with the whole life thing as it is. But actually, the Bible tells us we're not doing quite as well as we think we are. We think we're all right physically, we're breathing, the blood's going around the body. But the Bible says, actually, without Jesus, we all are dead inside. Spiritually, we're all dead because true life is found in relationship with God, in a connection with the very one who started all of life, who created all the things, the very life source. And without him, we're dead. And because we ignore him and we walk away from him and we reject him, we've cut ourselves off, cut off from the life source. Actually, we're just dead men walking or dead women walking. But John's telling us that God shows his love in that Jesus comes so that we might have real life. We might have life to the very fullest, life at its best, life where there can be light, even in the darkest of situations. Life where there can be peace, even in the face of such turmoil and pain, just as we've heard in some of the wonderful stories that have been shared with us tonight. Life to the very full, both here and now, and for all of eternity with God. God reveals his love. He makes it public by sending Jesus to bring us from death into life. And as John's thinking about the love of God and trying to help us to see that, he wants us to really understand what this love is like. 
He knows it's so easy for us to misunderstand the love of God. It's easy for us to think things like, well, if I love God, and if I try and be fairly good, then maybe God will love me. Maybe he'll kind of love me a little bit that way. But John says, no, 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 that's not how it works. He says it's far, far better than that. He says this is love. He means this is the kind of love I'm talking about. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us. He's saying God's love for us isn't dependent on anything we do. He's not sitting around waiting with a little checklist, seeing how we do, seeing we match up. I might love him, he's getting close. Oh, no, no, not now. No, no, God loved us before we were even born because he sent Jesus that we might have new life. God's love comes before any love we can give or anything we can do. We so easily think of God as this hard taskmaster. Someone who just wants us to live a certain way, wants to take all the fun out of life, who begrudgingly loves us if we don't do anything too bad. But John says, no, no, no. God loves us before we've done anything. He loves us in sending Jesus. How did God love us? He says, uh, John tells us that God loved us in that he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God's love is supremely revealed in the fact that Jesus came and was born. But more than being born, actually, he came in order that he could die for us. Notice that John's talked about Christmas, about Jesus being sent as God's one and only son into the world. But he knows that if he's going to really help us to understand the story of this surprising love, to really get what God's love for us is like, he can't just talk about Christmas. He's also got to talk about Good Friday. He's got to talk about the fact that Jesus came to die for us. God shows his love by sending his one and only son, not just to kind of be with us, not just to be around, not just so he can experience life like we do and so he can relate better. God sends his son, Jesus, so he would be able to die for us in our place as our substitute, as our sacrifice. This is how the coming of Jesus into the world means that we can have new life, fresh life in him because we start as those who are dead because we separated ourselves from God by rebelling against him, failing to live his way. Ultimately, because we worship people, things down here, rather than worshipping the God who made us and who loved us. And we as created creatures have obligations to the one who made us. We fail in those obligations which leave us in this state, this uh, situation of being separated from him, cut off from the life source, We're dead men walking, dead women walking. But God so loves us. He so loves every one of us in this room, so loves every one of us in this town, in this country, across the world, that he's not happy to leave us in that situation. He's not happy just to say, well, you did it, you stay there, you've got your lot. He doesn't just say, try harder. He doesn't say, do a load of good stuff and hopefully it'll kind of balance out against the bad stuff. He comes and he loves us decisively, once and for all by sending his son to be born on earth and then to die as our substitute. And as John's talking about that, he uses that phrase, he says, Jesus died as an atoning sacrifice. And when he's talking about atoning, he's talking about atonement. That word means to make up for, to kind of pay the price, to pay the debt. He's saying Jesus' death paid the price, paid the debt that we owed because of the things we'd done in rebellion against God. Jesus allowed himself to be killed so that he might take the debt 
that we had to pay. He takes the punishment that we deserve so that we can be free. We can be forgiven. We can find new life in him. This is how God has made his love public for all to see. By sending his sons that we no longer had to be separated from God, but can be drawn in to new life. Sending his son to be born on earth, to live as a man, and then to die in our place. This is love. The love of God revealed in a baby born 2,000 years in Bethlehem. This is love found in a really surprising place. And the new life that is on offer because of this act of love of God, the Bible tells us is received as a gift. And like any gift, to receive it and enjoy it and benefit from it, you've got to accept it. Across the next few days, next few weeks, there'll be lots of gift giving going on in homes all across the world as we celebrate Christmas. And what happens when you get given a gift is that you have to accept it. You've got to stretch out your hand, take hold of it, unwrap it, open it, start to enjoy it. And if you don't do that, you don't get to enjoy the gift. And you're not earning it by doing that. When someone gives you a gift, they're not thinking, if you will stretch out your hand, if you will unwrap the paper, if you will open the box, then maybe you're deserving this gift. They're thinking, no, no, I love you. And so I bought this for you and I want you to have it. And I want you to enjoy it. And all you've got to do is come and take hold of it. It's already right here for you. That's what a gift is. And the Bible says that to receive new life from Jesus is like receiving a gift. We've got to stretch out and take hold of it. And we do that, the Bible says, by responding in faith or in trust. By saying that we trust that God loves us. And we trust his promise to forgive us based on the fact that Jesus died so that we don't have to. And that we leave our old life where we've walked away from God behind. And instead we choose to strive to live his way and find fullness of life with him. This is the very best gift we can ever, ever receive. It's the most important gift we can ever, ever receive. And it's freely available to each and every one of us. Because the God who is love has demonstrated his love by sending Jesus as a baby who lived as a man and who died in our place. We would love to invite you to come and join us and to find out more about this, to explore these big questions about the love of God, about why Jesus came, what it means to have new life in him. Starting early in the new year in January, we're going to run something called Alpha. The Alpha course is an opportunity to come along and to hear more about what God has done for us that we believe as Christians and to discuss it and debate it and kind of ask any questions you have. It's going to run for seven Thursday evenings in Coffee Box, which is just through there. We'll get some drinks in, we'll get some food in. And each evening, someone will share a little bit about what the Bible says about God and about what he's done in Jesus. And then it's just a chance to sit around a table with a few other people and to talk and to share what you think about it and ask what others think about it and wrestle with it together. We'd love to invite each and every one of you to come and explore Jesus with us on the Alpha course next year. Hopefully in your seats you might have found a flyer that will give you some details if you want to sign up that will tell you how to do so. But also when we finish the service today, when you head through to the coffee box for drinks and snacks, if you just turn to the left on the stage there, there'll be some people who will be happy to answer any questions you might have about Alpha, to tell you more about it and you can sign up and express an interest there too. 
In just a moment, we're going to watch a dance performed by some of the people who are part of the family here at King's Church. But before that, just let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you that you are a God of love. Thank you that you love each and every one of us here. And thank you that now you have supremely revealed your love. You've made it public by sending Jesus to be born as a baby on earth. Thank you, Jesus, that you willingly came, that you were born and that you died in our place so that we might be forgiven and we might have new life. And I ask that this Christmas, would each and every one of us come and find new life with you? Would we find life to the very best, to the very fullness of life with you? I pray, Father God, would you bless each and every one of us over this Christmas season? In Jesus' name, amen.